Now, the year after I graduated high school, this is 1988, I returned home and went to an auction sponsored by my old school district. They were auctioning old band instruments and instrument cases. Now, I walked in to see my old high school assistant principal, Kenneth Westbury, asking for bids on a baritone saxophone. Nobody was bidding. They turned and saw me. He knew that I had been on the marching band. He asked me if I would bid one dollar. I said yes. And he said sold. He sold me the baritone saxophone and all of the old instrument cases. They combined them into one lot because they wanted to move on with the auction. Now when I opened the sax, it didn't have a mouthpiece. But I found the mouthpiece along with several other mouthpieces in the lining of the instrument cases that I had also purchased. Good deal. I'm an alto and tenor sax player as well as clarinet because the upper register of the clarinet saxophone, they're the same. Baritone sax is the largest member of the saxophone family. I didn't have the lungs to play it back then. I don't have the lungs to play it now. I'm pretty sure that the Barry sax that I bought was the same one I used to mess around with and struggle to play when I was on the band. Now it's mine. I had it restored by Williams Music in Orangeburg, South Carolina and was advised that it was worth a lot of money. Now in 1988, I did not have a clue about how to go about selling it. So I kept it until 2001. I knew how to sell it in 2001. And I realized I knew how to sell it in 1988 too. I just didn't know that I knew. I could have sold it to Williams Music. So I sold it to Ken Stanton Music in Marietta, Georgia. I got enough from them to leverage it into eight more CD burners, a bunch of blank CDs and labels, portable Tascam four-track recorder, one that used cassettes, a combination of wired and wireless microphones, nice microphones, a Dell laptop, two Sony Digi-8 video cameras and a small computer that I could use just for karaoke. I was getting into karaoke then. I used that portable Tascam 4-track recorder to produce music projects for other artists. Shout out to Shayla Johnson. I used the video cameras to shoot videos of my computer camps and other efforts to help people who help people. I used the wired mics and the karaoke computer to host karaoke parties, man. I used to throw everybody's karaoke party, including my own. I used to sing at the karaoke parties. I used the laptop and the wireless mics to record audio for the six-week writing your first business plan class that I taught at church. I used the CD burners to build an eight-machine computer lab in my apartment for the purpose of duplicating CDs. 
I use that lab, the blank CDs and the labels to make audio CD copies of each class that I then sold to students who missed class that week and got in a lot of trouble at church for it because how dare I have both the ability and the audacity to think I could make my own CD and sell it without breaking the church off. A friend of mine at Georgia Tech started giving me failed hard drives that were still under warranty because they had to get a new one and keep it moving so they gave me the broken ones. I shipped them back to the manufacturer and got new ones. I found a VHS to digital video converter and video editing software, ULead Video Studio, at a thrift store. I built my first video editing computer with a big hard drive. It was 120 gigs, but that was still big in 2004. And a computer given to me that had been struck by lightning that I fixed, and I started making short films. In addition to my camps, I tell stories about my friends' ventures, their kids on their birthdays, and their weddings. I told the stories of the charter school that I helped start and the students who attended. Then in 2004, a mentor teacher gave me a copy of a music sequencer called Hip Hop EJ, version 1. It allowed you to build music tracks in an easy, visual manner. It was a tool you could teach kids how to use in a classroom setting, as long as each student had an old laptop and a copy of the software. So we made that happen, thanks to Dr. Paul Organ and Teresia Freckleton Petit. And I taught Hip Hop EJ as part of one of my computer classes. This worked so well, it made me a popular teacher. Watch out. That popularity got me into trouble, ironically, with the same mentor teacher that introduced me to the software. So that experiment ended as quickly as it began. However, in those few weeks, I did learn that my students liked a lot of the tracks that I created. I learned this by never telling them that I had created a track. I would let them listen to a bunch of my work mixed in with a bunch of other folks' work, and then they would choose the ones that they could use to make songs on our Freestyle Fridays. When they chose mine, they told me that it was hot. I actually used one of those tracks in my song, The Equalizer, which I recorded in 2016. That track was 12 years old, but it was still hot. And I moved the Hip Hop EJ project to the charter school that I helped to start, then upgraded to subsequent newer versions of Hip Hop EJ. Went to version 3, then I jumped to version 5, something like that. By 2006, most of my students had gotten on to Fruity Loops, a similar software tool, and Hip Hop EJ was no longer in style. It was too easy, too simple. I still used it, still use it now, but I made no mention of it. 
low-key. Remember the trouble that I ran into with that mentor teacher? Okay, I get it. I started keeping my music and these side projects. Keep that stuff off the radar, man. It's just better that way. This is what I do, man. I keep things to myself. I keep folks out of my business and out of my way. That's what I do.